Welcome to Dangerously Likely. I'm Caleb. And I'm Terrell. And today, we're Dangerously Likely to talk about Madam Vice President. Let's go above the fold with this week's headlines. So we here at Dangerously Likely have been following the South Florida condo collapse. And as of today, which is Tuesday, because we record on Tuesday, not Thursday when this comes out, um, July 6th. There are 24 people who have died and 121 are still missing. On Sunday, due to concerns of an incoming tropical storm, the rest of the condo was demolished in order to protect rescue workers throughout the storm. It's also been reported that Florida's building rules and regulations have not been enforced equally across the state, which is lovely. Shocker. Yeah. So all in all, um, of course, this is a story that will probably still be happening in the next few weeks. And our hearts go out to all the people that were lost in the families as well. Um, but moving on to uh, what happened with the Trump organization this week. So prosecutors in New York indicted the Trump organization and its chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg, for tax fraud last Wednesday. Basically, the prosecutors are alleging that the Trump organization didn't pay taxes on $1.7 million of fringe benefits given to the CFO. Both the organization and Allen pleaded not guilty. It's also worth noting that the team of prosecutors are looking into a lot more than just tax fraud on fringe benefits. We don't know the full scope, but what we do know is that they are looking into the Trump organization's business practices and maybe even Trump himself. Just as a quick reminder, they did get Trump's tax returns from a Supreme Court ruling several months ago. Mm-hmm. Terrell, there's probably a lot of questions I could ask for this, but I'm going to focus on one question specifically, and that is that, you know, it seems like there's more to come oh, yeah. um, for sure. But let's say like the former president does get indicted in kind of a what if scenario. Hmm. Do you think that would help him or hurt him? if he ran for president in 2024. Who is he running against? I don't know. Let's say Biden. Biden's already said he would run again. Won't change anything. He'll still lose. What about primaries? Like if DeSantis gets in it. Ooh. Okay. Hmm. I think... I think it'll depend on how media outlets cover him, right? So there's always been an issue with Trump and the media. Nothing he has ever done seems to stick or because they do it, he can flip it on its head and make it into something. Um, And I mean, it's tax law. No one gets tax law except for attorneys and our, for now, our weird selves who actually care about these things. Yeah. Um, the issue is his organization was covering personal costs for his financial, his CFO. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, while that might frustrate them, they don't see the damage it does broadly. Like they don't see that because they did this. They got a lot of really uh, um, aggressive tax write-offs, which went to crippling different social programs and and not fully paying the government. So for his party specifically, I feel like it it doesn't hit the mark. They kind of look at it and say, um, okay, 
What? Like the the Democrats yeah. were just out to get him anymore. Anyway, it's a witch mm-hmm. hunt. It's this. It's what is this tax law that they just created to screw him over? Where? Sure. We already knew what was in his taxes. Yeah. See, I'm not. I'm not convinced that like anybody's minds has actually changed from this. No. Unless Trump did something like crazy, but even then, his most his biggest supporters in the American electorate, I don't think their minds are getting changed. But I think the what I'm do you think they're emboldened though? No. I will say, I think him being indicted, I don't think changes anything. Now unless he actually goes to jail. Then yeah, he can't win. So obviously, um, but I don't think that's going to happen. Still, I don't think he's going to indict it. Yeah, I, I don't think our country is there can do that. But what I do think turns the tide. Um, I was paying attention to either Twitter or having to catch MSNBC, and um, Mary Trump, his niece, was speaking and made a reference that it's not so much the people of the organization that Donald Trump has to be worried about; it's his own family. And I really genuinely believe that if, let's say, a Melania or um, an Ivanka or even Jared Kushner turn on him and kind of make an agreement to say, hey, we get no jail time if we give you all of this, that I think is a tie turner for him politically. Because these are your most outspoken people. These are your blood. They they can't be cast aside or treated like... Um, Michael Cohen was of, oh, he's just a half-rate attorney anyway. He like these are yeah. these are your actual family that you had involved in government. If they were to turn on him and make a plea deal, let's say, and give some inside information, that I think would be extremely crippling to any political career he could ever have. Ooh, that would whether be, he's indicted or not. That would be really fascinating. Like I know they're trying they're really trying hard to get um the CFO who just got indicted. Um to flip he's not going to i mean even if he did it's he still not the family w- member and he has idea. nothing to win if he does if i'm being honest like yeah. not going to jail but they're but still how... gonna make him pay and he really doesn't have that much money to pay and it, yeah it doesn't do him any good yeah but that that is my hot take if you will i like it what's happening in the world trail <laughs> <laughs> always gotta steal my lines um jumping to israel um, the Israeli par- parliament is looking to renew a law that keeps out Palestinian spouses per the Associated Press. The Israeli parliament was set to vote Monday to um, renew a 2003 law barring Arabic citizens from extending citizenship or residency to their spouses from the occupied West Bank and Gaza. It's important to note um, this has caused an array of difficulties for Palestinian families as they look for different means to um, not be discriminated against by their own government while their government is highlighting the pressing security concerns and a preservation of the Israel the Israel's Jewish character. What makes this story a little bit more juicy, if you will, is the fact that the former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is levying his right-wing bloc to withhold the votes needed for this new government to succeed. This bill has been renewed since 2003, um, and Netanyahu sees this as an opportunity to kind of stick it to this government that ousted him. Um, Also noteworthy is that today, 
Israel allows more than 100,000 Palestinian workers from the West Bank um, to enter on a regular basis. And these are the people that are negatively impacted. In Africa, dozens of Nigerian students have been abducted in the Northwest region. A group of gunmen stormed into the Bethel Baptist High School in, someone might have to correct me, um, the Dashi, the Damshi town of Kinkuk local government um, area in Kaduna State around 2 a.m., kidnapping an unknown number of students. This is the fourth abduction in the state um, in the past six months by armed groups who are looking for ransom. And one last major piece of news that I thought was concerning because I haven't heard of it, but I've also not been paying a lot of attention to CNN and other things. Um, Pope Francis had a major intestinal intestinal surgery and is reporting as being in good overall condition. He's alert and breathing um, per the Associated Press. Again, um, Pope Francis, who's 84, underwent a three hour operation that resulted in removal of about half of his colon. Um, And the Vatican's just saying he's fine. Well, that's great. Yeah. Just glad he's okay. Major news. I would think you would think someone would tell us. I don't think I ever want to go through. Yeah. It's actually (laughs) really interesting because they, they take apart um, his colon, his intestines, and they actually relink the remainder piece of his intestine. Um, and suture it together. It's it's a very intensive surgery, but it's complicated. It did say that it has a very low um, complication oh. rate of there. There's I'll a take back what I said. There's a very <laughs> there's not a high likelihood that there would be any complications after the surgery. He just needs to rest and feel better. And apparently, he this was a scheduled procedure, and um, the the surgeon mostly or the procedure was done mostly for his comfort because mm. whatever the condition was caused him a lot of pain. That's great. Good. Yeah. Friend. It's just, I guess maybe this is the millennial in me because I've witnessed the death of a Pope and the mm. transition of another Pope. Normally when anything happens to him, it's wall to wall coverage for weeks and everyone's like, is everything good? And then you yeah, this one are been that crazy. You're focused on the, um, the chimney because you're watching the smoke. If the smoke goes black, that means he's dead. And if it goes white, that means a new postman. I I forgot they did that. I'll never forget when I was younger, um, at my grandmother's house watching CNN, of course. And (laughs) they were talking about something super irrelevant. I think it was almost an election year, but it cut to the Vatican immediately. And they were talking about how there was white smoke coming from the chimney, which, um, no black smoke coming from the chimney, which, signified that Pope John Paul II, one of the longest um, serving popes, had passed away. And there was no information. There was no nothing. There was just a lot of grieving. So maybe that's why I'm overtly connected to the story for whatever reason. So here at Dangerously Likely, I always appreciate that we're able to kind of get into the weeds about things and and talk about some unique stories. Um, As you all are aware, there's a group chat between Caleb, I, and Torrance where I send a lot of messages. But Caleb actually sent this article, which really piqued a lot of our interest about... um, You say that as if I don't... Send articles ever. He he really doesn't. Um, He... I mean... You just react to things or will be like, 
ah, that was a good read. Um, but it was it was really interesting that you you found this article on political Politico that seemed like a hit piece of Vice President Harris almost. It it read like a gossipy <laughs> I know. Like article magazines or something. Yeah. Um <laughs> the tabloids. <laughs> yeah. I mean almost. <laughs> So for our listeners, there's a a piece that came out on Politico that dove into the inner workings of the vice president's office. And I will read you the exact headline just to give you an idea. Um, It reads, quote unquote, not a healthy environment. Kamala Harris's office rife with dissent. Um, And since then, we've been engaged in a really interesting debate about how the media covers Vice President Harris, how we've even talked about Vice President Harris, and just this anomaly that has become the vice president position now that there is a BIPOC woman serving in the role and also a very clear heir apparent serving in the role. Um, I guess before we dive into the weeds, like what were some of your thoughts from the article? You know, I it's it's a weird article. Because, like, I mean, I, I guess I understand somewhat of the position Harris is in, mm-hmm. um, kind of the successor position, you know, first black woman in South um, Asian descent um, in the office and whatnot. And, I mean, it's pretty clear that that the Democratic Party sees her as pretty much the next president. More than likely. More than likely. I mean, it, it's not a secret. Um, but this article... What interests me about this article is that suddenly everyone's talking about Kamala Harris, which to be fair, we've been talking kind of a lot about her and some of the stuff she's done over the last few weeks. And it seems like all the attention is about her and it's all negative. Mm -hmm. And we haven't really heard that much about Joe Biden recently. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's just kind of unheard of (laughs) in presidential administrations. Like the vice president doesn't usually get that much, uh, Uh, media coverage and so i think my reaction was like i don't know i don't know how much to take um this article in there's kind of a lot of details in there and i don't even know if we need to like really discuss it it's pretty much about her staff Mm -hmm. getting frustrated uh, with some of those decisions being made and some of it i think centers around um the chief of staff and like that's fine i don't know how much is like true and what's not true it feels dramatic um especially after my kind of frustration with the media playing into the hands of the republican narrative that harris needs to go to the border to understand what immigration is at all don't get me started i think yeah i mean honestly i think after all that like just seeing this article like i don't know it's just disappointing it just feels like it's playing into a narrative that that look maybe there is a little bit of of issues with an organization. I mean, there's that happens. Mm -hmm. It just feels very dramatic and a little bit overblown. Um, and I just hate, you know, it creates a new narrative for the vice president. And I just don't know if it's a fair one. And I, I don't know if it's fair at all because of like we said, or I said earlier about this, the vice president doesn't really get he never gets this much attention attention. Right? So I just, it's just like, why, why Kamala now? And it's interesting too, because it's focused a lot on high turnover in her office and 
um, noteworthy aides that have in the already in these six months decided that they are going to part ways, which can happen. And I, I call back to and something we didn't, we haven't actually talked about. Um, there was a lot of conversation about her staff because there seemed to be this bargain, if you will, for Harris to join the Biden team that she had to have uh, a certain look of her office or had, had to have certain people who were, um, long-term aides to the Democratic Party who fit in, but who didn't necessarily fit her piece or who who she was or who she wanted her office to be. And I I didn't read this in the article, and I I'm now getting a little frustrated that I didn't. But I'm curious to to see or to hear are some of these people who are leaving those people the ones that the hair or the Biden team had recommended for her to to help transition her in to get her in these places. And they're they're not feeling disrespected. They're not feeling the this need to. Um, they're not leaving because of dissent, but really, truly, they were kind of always intended to be placeholders because her campaign had some issues and yeah, but that, there were stressors. I guess my maybe my cynicism is coming out a little bit in the political arena, but um, that sounds like it does my role. <laughs> I mean, it just does it. It's that kind of information does not fit a narrative. Mm-hmm. And that's what this feels like. It feels like we're starting, or at least we're trying to, I don't want to say we, cause we're not involved in this. It's just like the mainstream media is starting to create a narrative around Kamala Harris about, they did the same thing with, um, Hillary Clinton and Amy, Amy Klobuchar. Klobuchar. I remember this in the primary. Elizabeth Warren. I don't remember Warren as much, but Klobuchar, Warren I remember, Bernie, but. I remember like the big thing, about her in the primaries is that she was she's awful a, to work with. Yeah, she was terrible. so mean to her staff. Yeah, exactly. Like, and same, it's just like it's same like thing to Clinton. the only the only like time I hear about stories like this is when it's about women in power mm-hmm. when they're succeeding specifically. Yes, if they're ever doing well, it all of a sudden becomes a narrative. And I mean, not to dance into another space, but um, you look at the royal family and all the conversations that have um, been happening because of Meghan Markle, and um, <laughs> it's how always the woman's fault. They started questioning her mental health. They said that she was the nasty one who was working with staff. It wasn't a diversity, equity, and inclusion problem. People weren't treating her differently because of the color of her skin. She was just mean and rude, and they didn't like her. That just seems to be a narrative in our media structure right now uh-huh. for women. Yeah, no, it does, and it's just. I don't know, like, like, I don't, look again. I don't know. It's hard to articles like these are hard to, um, I guess, digest because on one hand, the past history of how we as a society and media treat women, especially women in power, makes me kind of want to dismiss it. But I also think that like there might be some truth to it, hmm. but it just feels very dramatic. And it's like, we've seen this before. And I feel like there's a struggle too of, you had an entire administration write an anonymous op-ed essentially saying, we are ignoring what our direct supervisor is telling us for the betterment of a country. And it just got slept on. Meanwhile, we're over here having a real conversation about a couple of staffers leaving in the first six months. Yeah. What's the distinction? One was a white man. One is a woman of color. 
or one is a white woman. Like, at what point do we have a more robust conversation that our our narrative, our media, our our views are still very biased in that space? I I mean, we had a conversation too about the op-ed written by um, Perry Bacon for the Washington Post, where um, he really calls out and, and highlights how our media has made Harris to be this anomaly, this like very unique, unique and unforeseen political figure, like comparing her to Barack Obama of just coming out of nowhere, if you will. But when you look at her record, she's very traditional. And, and the progressive things she's done have been in a way to, to connect with and, and work with the institutions to make them better. She's not running like a Bernie Sanders. She's not running like an Elizabeth Warren even. But she's not. She's also not this. She's not a Barack Obama who kind of came out of nowhere on no. a long shot. She's been in politics forever almost, it feels like. Yeah. And she's been the, she's been the first woman of color um, to be in a lot of the positions that she's ran and won in, mm-hmm. including her position now as vice president. And the Senate. Yeah. It, yeah. That, that's what struck me kind of doing some of the prep for this episode and, and especially reading Perry Bacon Jr.'s take on all of this. It really struck me that like Kamala Harris is like, I like the media wants to treat her differently because woman, black woman, Southeast, Southeast Asian woman, mm-hmm. you know, but she's, I don't know. She's just a, and I'm not saying this negatively because I feel like it has a negative connotation, but she's a typical politician. Yeah. She's kind of like Joe Biden. Yeah. So is this, would you argue this is a, um, this is a reception because we kind of have this understanding that she might be the heir apparent. She, she might be the next president at some point in time so are we is she getting put into not only the political arena but the election arena from day one just because or is this really i mean we've highlighted other situations but is this really a a bias that our media has that we need to be a little bit more thoughtful of or or, um, have more foresight around that we are inherently highlighting and treating women in an x way I mean, the latter, but it's, I mean, I think the the reason that media organizations would use is probably the first thing you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just have this frustration with, like, the media just chases drama and sometimes creates their own narratives around drama. And it only takes like a really like read good, someone good at reading between the lines of an article or a story or someone that's been in communications, political communication specifically for a while to like understand when a story is bullshit or not. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I mean, the way our media works, Kamala Harris is the perfect person to go after. Absolutely. And it's completely immoral and wrong. <laughs> I mean, just want to tack that on there. <laughs> she, even though she has a history in politics, you have a wing of her own party that has labeled her as a cop and thinks that she is the 
antithesis of everything that can go wrong with a progressive movement. On the other side, you have a party that is on a crusade against anything that resembles equality, anything that resembles critical race theory, anything that resembles difference. Um, And uh, just like you mentioned, she's an East Asian African-American woman who her story is from parents who were immigrants. Her story is Mm -hmm. one is the the best capsulization of the American dream since I would argue Barack Obama. And you probably have a conservative party that fears she could build that coalition. She is the antichrist conservatives. No, literally. (laughs) She is. (laughs) Which is frustrating. I think it's, I think it's made even more frustrating when you have like, like obviously the Republican party will stoop low. We already know they do, you know, they're going to attack and they're going to do it in probably the worst way possible um, and see what sticks. Mm -hmm. Cause that's just kind of who they are now. Um, But what makes it worse is like a media ecosystem that, that sees drama out of what the Republicans are saying or doing and then forcing that narrative onto the scene. And that's, what's frustrating. So I I have a follow-up to that. Would you say the blame is on the part of media organizations or how the Biden administration has functioned? Because we Mm -hmm. we've talked about this a few times. Kamala Harris has been at the forefront of damn near everything. She gave a speech during the inauguration. Um, She has been in every major meeting and they made a point to show them side by side. Biden has all but certainly said, I am running as a transition candidate and who I selected as my vice president will most likely be the person that we transition to. Like has the administration set her up specifically in a space where she just has to kind of brush these off her shoulder and brush these stories off her shoulder and, and get used to them. Or is this something that the administration probably didn't plan for? It's not their fault. And we need to be more critical in how we're processing. You know, I would probably bet that, um, I'd probably bet that the administration in Kamala Harris and her team probably knew that attacks would come at her. Um, honestly just because of who she is yeah um i they i bet they already knew that i think if i would have to guess um what the strategy for the biden administration as a whole is is that to them it's more important that there's that people see that representation Mm -hmm. i think in america and that we're actually uplifting the voices of our administration that matter well i mean i guess if you want to everyone's voices matters but some more than others yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um i think they see the strategy of of being that kind of administration that takes every human being as they are and uplifts them Mm -hmm. and and i don't want to say the word shows them off that sounds negatively bad but showing america what representation means and what it can be i think is really important and if I would have to guess, uh, they'd rather do that than than hunker down and do nothing. Yeah. Um, because there's some going to be some attacks. There's going to be attacks no matter what. So you might as well do. Um, I think what the important thing is, and they've done a lot of that. Yeah. They've done a lot of that. What frustrates me, um, it like 
the Republican thing and the media ecosystem frustrates me. But it, what also really frustrates me is like progressives' reaction to everything she says. I'm biting my tongue. I don't. I think you should just go, go off. No one wants that. <laughs> I, you know, I have. I know people. I have friends. Mm-hmm. Um, before Biden was elected, they didn't like Biden, but for some reason, they really didn't like Harris. And can I say why? You say why? Because she's black. Same reason they didn't like Obama. I'm I'm very over the wokeness argument of well, we like AOC, we like these people who towed our line and do the do this. And I'm definitely going to get some shit for saying this on air. And here we are. (laughs) But how is that different than um, how the Republicans treat Candace Owens or Tom Scott? Tom Scott? Tim Scott? Do I hear canceled? A (laughs) hundred percent. But I mean, that's a valid piece, right? Like you have the progressive wing who gets so excited because they're like, look at how diverse we are. But the minute a person of color says something that they don't agree with, well, Obama's actually a war criminal, didn't you know? And <laughs> he crippled the country and he made race um, race relations so much worse. Those are talking points from the progressive make of the party. And let us not forget, Bernie Sanders actually was going to challenge him for his reelection. And the party literally kind of told him, stop being a dumbass. Like, <laughs> why would you do that? My gosh. Especially against Mitt Romney, because honestly, if he if Obama got challenged, there might not have been a win for Obama in that situation. Like, yeah. how is that different than what the conservative party does? And I've said this for a long period of time. The progressive party, the Bernie Sanders bros are no different than the Trump Republicans, except they have different views of how government works. But the method in which they do what they do is the exact same. Well, I just have always had this view that the Bernie bros that you speak of, the the ultra progressives um, that does that don't even want to vote in an election if they don't have their candidate out there. Like they're really what they do is they just shoot themselves in the foot all day long because and I've been making this argument for a long time. There's no way. There's no way that not voting in an election of which you have Trump versus whoever on the Democratic side it may be that that Trump would be a better choice and would get you closer to what you want in your country than whoever the Democrat is, even if it's not your specific candidate. But I can't vote for Hillary Clinton. I could never do that. I can't vote for Biden. But but the truth is, is that is that what you want Democrats, even if it's an inch, will get you an inch further <laughs> than than Trump will. Trump will take you miles back. Will and has. <laughs> yes. But but your response to that is, oh, it's rigged. I don't want to. It's rigged because my candidate didn't win. No, America just doesn't like your candidate. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. And now you attack Kamala Harris, who has done amazing work for it, the progressive movement. Amazing work for the progressive movement is arguably attacked Elizabeth Warren, attacked Amy Klobuchar. I mean, her story is a unique American story. It's the it embodies the ideals of what of what we think of when we think of America on an idealistic level and what our values should be. Yet 
She's not good enough. She's not good enough. And, She's the worst person ever. <laughs> and I'm sure you know. people who listen, like I know I bring race into a lot of things that we talk about, but what it's things that you can't everything, ignore. Everything in America to some extent has some race involved in yeah. it. <laughs> but I, what our country is. I really think to the Bernie Sanders, the Bernie Sanders wing. Sure. They're annoyed with Biden, but they really don't levy the same kind of personal and aggressive attacks as they do or have to Barack Obama and Kamala Harris. Yeah. And they really go after those two. I, I can't for the life of me, ignore the fact. And maybe the, I can't ignore the fact that there was the creation of a party. Mm, Party is a loose term because they were just Republicans trying to find a way to stretch their power. But the, the Tea Party walked around Washington, D.C. with a black dummy in a noose with a sign that said Obama. Like, that was where our country was. And now we pretend and act like, oh, my God, how do we end up where we are today? Like, it, it was there. The, the writing's been on the wall forever. If you are coming off and if you're a progressive who claims like you care about equity, you care about inclusion, you care about this sense that every person matters. Why is your treatment of politicians that you don't agree with so different? And while you might not be, again, I'm going to draw these comparisons, while you might not be the person walking around the street holding a black dummy in a noose, you're still the one on Twitter saying the same hateful things that in my opinion can equate to the very same level. You're still levying the same problems and you're making it harder for, and I I think you made an amazing point. You're making it harder for that representation to feel comfortable to be there. How are, or to be there in the first place. How is any person of color supposed to feel comfortable if they, if they run for a, a position and they know I can't run to the left. It's not going to win me the election. We all know that. It's not a secret. Our country is not there yet. We're making strides, but it's not there yet. But God forbid I try to come to the center because the first thing I'm going to hear is I'm not X or I should have been Y or here's one thing you did in your past that we are going to make the story. I think what frustrates me and... I guess I've probably said that phrase a lot already. This yeah. is kind of a good rant session, isn't it? <laughs> um, like, here's the thing is like, don't get me wrong. The Republicans probably piss me off the most. But the thing about them is it's expected. Mm-hmm. What they're going to do is expected. And that's probably a sad reality that we live in. <laughs> me just saying that. Um, and I'm not trying to normalize that because what they're doing is absolutely horrid and disgusting and what they say and their actions, especially around people of color. Um, but I think, I think what's so frustrating about like some people on the left specifically is that it's kind of like what I said earlier, you know, like a Democrat, if you're on the left, a Democrat, even if it's not the, what you think doesn't embody all the values that you have is still going to get you closer to where you're trying to go. than. Um, a Republican would mm-hmm. in this moment of time. Um, but it's also, it's also, I feel like there's this assumption where if you're a white male 
ultra progressive, which I don't really like that we use the word progressive to label um, super left people. <laughs> that's why I like to say Bernie bro. That's that's a good that's a good one. He was a independent, but anyway. You know, I just like I think there's this assumption that 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 they think that if you're a person of color, you automatically embody their same beliefs and ideals like they're right and that fucking helps nobody mm-hmm. <laughs> you you claim you want this this diverse and inclusive and welcoming society that that uplifts people and supports people but not everybody embodies those ideals but like especially like you expect that out of white people but when it's a when it's a person of color that doesn't embody those ideals, wow, you just really let go. Yep. You just really attack them. And it's just, Oh my gosh. It's yeah. like, it's like, there's a lot of things about this country that obviously um, we could work on, yeah. you know? Um, what? And, and maybe, maybe all sides of the ideological spectrum just need to take a civics class and open their mind her civics has to be better, but that's another conversation for another day. Yeah, I mean, I never had a civics class growing up. That baffles me. It was. Requ- I don't think they exist anymore. It re- it's because my parents was required for my parents too. It's, it's required in Michigan education too. Which I, honestly, I don't know why it baffles me. We're in, I mean, I, I had know. a government class. Why would they want you to know more? Yeah, but I mean, it's it's <sighs> just it's how can we get how can we get people here in America to just kind of like open their mind to different ideas. Even if your first impression is to yell and scream about it because it sucks. Maybe it doesn't suck as much. Maybe it does, but opening your mind to it can make all of us better live in a better society. There's the optimist we're used to. (laughs) Hey, look, I, I, I always feel optimistic and like, like I, even, even when I feel like there's no hope, you know, I've definitely felt that a little bit with some of the voter suppression stuff going on and whatnot. America has these values and ideals that that arguably we've never been able to live up to. But I still, for some reason, feel like we can someday. One day. But um, it's it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight, y'all. And y'all, y'all who are Bernie bros right now and obviously Trumpists. <laughs> Obviously. Y'all ain't helping, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I. That's what frustrates me, right? And you word it so well. Of the reason this article about Kamala Harris is annoying, the reason just all the coverage about her is annoying is, um, I think back to what our immigration episode, we we took that second, right? We had a whole conversation about how we felt about what she said. And there was a moment where we reflected and really oh, yeah. said, when she said, do not come. Yeah. It, so many people were outraged. So many people were, how does she have the audacity to tell uh, a, a mother and her child that they can't come to this country for opportunity? How do they, and few people actually just took a second to say, what does it look like when they come here? Do we have the infrastructure? Do we have the ability? Do we have the power to support? And no one wanted to jump to that. Everyone wanted to be like, this is no different than Trump, who called them rapists, who called them drug dealers, who called them all of these egregious yeah, like, like pieces of things. I didn't fucking things. hear any of that come out of Harris's mouth. 
she said it from a place of empathy. And just like we called back to that episode, it, we had a moment of what's seeing that in that moment, an African-American woman who embodies the American dream of uh, parents who immigrated here, found one another, gave birth to their children, and now see their children moving um, up in in the political sphere and, and making change for the country. And, and that same little girl was bussed to her elementary school. That same little girl was alive during segregation. That same little girl saw how hard it was for people to understand that she was both African-American and Southeast Asian and still to this day struggles with that. So when you say don't come here, it's not saying you're barred from ever entering. It's it's a real empathetic moment of our country is not in a space to do these things and us trying to just force it has only made the problem worse. It's only embody or embolden um, the conservative party. So when you see all these hit pieces uh, against her specifically, I guess I get that same frustration of, are you listening or are you just reacting? Reacting because if you listen to her whole speech, she actually outlined what they're going to do to help people where they are. Um, and obviously the action needs to follow and we don't have a great track record with that kind of action in the past, but, but it, it really hearing what the Biden administration plans to do in that area and whatnot. Um, they obviously have a plan for it and they, and they don't plan on ignoring the problem. That's mm-hmm. for sure. So, um, I think you got to save your judgment. Remember a couple episodes ago when I said, replace your judgment with curiosity. Mm-hmm. I think we need to be curious about what's going to happen. And obviously we should, we should, uh, protest or, or call, um, if we think that, uh, some one a specific thing or set of things needs to happen down there, but let's also see what their plan is and see if it's going to like do have any impact or not, you know, before we just jump to the conclusion that she's Trump because she said, do not come. Um, you know, she also said something a little bit ago. Um, she said that America is not a racist nation. But it's like, again, like she's a traditional politician. She's not actually that unique of a figure. Um, Don't get me started on that because that was just BS. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, it's definitely BS, but like she's just just like the do not come message um, uh, in Central America. Like this was also kind of a a, a, she's followed a long line of what we've done as a nation already. But that doesn't mean that her actions speak the same way. And we're just judging sure. her by words at the moment. I, and did we really expect her to call America a racist nation as vice president of the United States? Like, no. Well, no, because it would also probably hurt her chances of... It would hurt her chances of ever running. It would exactly. also... It would demoralize anything like, that administration ever did. Of course, she said what she said. Am I frustrated by it? 100%. Oh, yeah. I mean... Mm, well, But she's playing the same role Obama played. So. Well, she's also playing a political game of... I want to be elected one day. And maybe when she's elected in her first or second term, she'll go out and say America's a racist country. She's playing the same cards Obama did. She can't talk until she is no longer in politics. Now he says that the filibuster is a um, Jim Crow trope. Now he talks about how everything is anti African American, but I digress. Well, but I think that I also have my issues with Obama, (laughs) but I think that really goes, but I actually think that really goes to show, um, 
the ecosystem our country has created for them to feel like that's the strategy, yeah. right? I think we need to be asking, why are they doing this when we know that they probably don't believe it? Mm-hmm. I think that's that might be the, the better question here because like, yeah, maybe like I know a lot of people get frustrated. We'll just go and do it or say it or whatnot. But unfortunately, our political system doesn't work that way. Absolutely. And honestly, the American electorate doesn't either. No. Um, so like we were saying earlier, context matters, right? And I also hate this idea that like, if one person says something you don't like, you hate them automatically and they're Trump. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I can disagree with people and still think they're a good leader at the end of the day or still like them as a friend or have hope. I like Governor Little. Whoa. I'm kidding. Um, do I agree with him on everything? Absolutely not. But do <laughs> I see him as a responsible politician who actually is trying to do good for his state and trying not to end up letting it become the next Trump's America? 100%. Yeah. Does it piss me off? Yes. But here we are. I think that's a good take. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, what, like a, a quick piece of, I guess, what advice would you give to a news organization right now? Like what, what do they do? How do they be better? How as a small time podcast, I don't know if I'm qualified to answer that. I mean, I would argue this is one of the better <laughs> conversations that's been had around Kamala Harris that I've been able to hear partake in or see. So I'd agree with I would argue you are the expert for doing this at this <laughs> point. Versus, no, I'm serious. Versus like a, a New York Times or a Washington Post or uh, for damn sure a Fox News. Like, how do our media outlets have this type of conversation where context matters, where uh, empathy plays in, where recognition that there is more than just that quick burst of reaction? Like, how do we get back to, um, I think, Torrance, you and I had this conversation. How do we get back to the 1950s, 60s news media where it was facts, it was articles, and it's not this... Clickbaity stuff. Yes. Yeah. Specifically to Kamala Harris, but I mean, take it as you will. I mean, um, that's an interesting question because I think you can go in a lot of different ways with this. Like, like if if we're going to keep the news media ecosystem as it has been, then... um, then don't pay attention to Vice President Kamala Harris until election season gets closer and she might run. But as of right now, that's eight years away. Um, <laughs> I mean, she kind of matters during uh, Biden re-election. Yeah. So you can pay attention to her in, what, three years? Yeah. Um, but like when she's running for president. Yeah. So, but if but if if I, if I you want to go back to what the ecosystem was before, we're not paying attention to the vice president like we are now. But then all of a sudden, like, do we really want to go back to before? Because then before, like, Trump got elected and some of that was the media going nuts about it. Okay, I, I specifically said the 1950s, 60s. I don't want media before 2000, personally. Oh, okay, okay. Media after 9-11 was real bad. Well, I just think that, like, news organizations just really, like, like, I feel like politicians especially on the Republican side are really good at defining narratives for news organizations absolutely, because they just want to scream about stupid shit and news organizations go drama. And then they report on that 24 seven and have nothing else to talk about except this drama that literally is a made up narrative. Mm -hmm. And so I think 
I mean, I, you might've just said it like, let's just do facts and stuff. Let's not do clickbaity articles. Let's not say, let's not have our headline go. Kamala Harris says, do not come to immigrants. Um, what's, what's, uh, talk about the whole story and maybe not have such a, a ferocious freaking headline on this mm-hmm. stuff. Like, cause I don't know, like I don't read every article and sometimes I like scroll through and see some kind I of, I do, I do read every article. I uh, see like, I, I have a feeling I'm like most people. Yes, you are. <laughs> I am definitely not the, the average or the mean or any of the above. And I, I gotta be honest, like I see headlines that are kind of like, really fiery like that and they're they're meant to be on purpose to get your attention but a lot of people like go oh she said do not come to immigrants well that's wrong and then don't read the rest of the article to understand why (laughs) or the rest of the speech or or watch the rest of the speech you know what i mean so like i think yeah i don't think we need to follow every little damn thing and every little word that's ever said and whatnot um but i do think that if we're gonna or if we're going to report on the vice president who happens to be a woman of, of color, color. <laughs> from I'd, California, all the things, all the things, um, interracial marriage, who's also quite different than all the other vice presidents we've ever had in American history for multiple they're, reasons. They're all white men. that are old, old white men. She's also younger. There's so many reasons that she does not fit. Anyway, yeah, she doesn't fit our typical mold of what American leadership looks like. Yeah, but John Quincy Adams does. If we're gonna, if the media is going, <laughs> it's good. If the media is going to um, report on Kamala Harris, it should be fact based and not clickbaity. And also, also, um, don't fall for Republican narratives mm. about her either, because that's what they've been doing yeah. over the last couple months about the border too. So. That would be my one caveat is don't repeat the ills that we saw during the Obama administration, I think. And the Trump administration, too. True. But I, I think specifically with. I mean, in Obama. terms of getting him elected. Yeah. And following him everywhere because they were so fascinated were by him. So fat. Oh, I, I do think, like like you said, don't pay attention until there's something that's worth paying attention. Like this this article about AIDS leaving. No one cares. Um, but when immigration policies are coming out and, and the speech is given, that matters. And I I say don't fall for the ills of the Obama administration specifically because there was a lot of shit we let get away of how people referred to Barack Obama and how mm-hmm. how we we devalued the office of president while he was there. There were a lot of times that yeah. articles didn't say President Obama. Granted, we've now a hundred percent transition from that because people didn't say president Trump anymore and went straight into Trump, Donald Trump, blah, blah. blah. And now we're doing it with Biden. But there was a moment there that I think a lot of news organizations didn't inherently realize they were partaking in, but there was a sense that again, there's those two Americas. There's those two experiences. And I, I hope and would appreciate if those didn't impact our current vice president's outlook or life. Take us on a tangent, Caleb. Woo. I feel like we just went on a long tangent. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, my tangent 
is uh, it's been a reoccurring theme the last, I think, two or three weeks now. It has to do with soccer. Um, Shocker. But this isn't like this isn't like my uh, happy-go-lucky, oh, I love soccer, even though I totally do. And I'm very excited for the uh, UEFA Euro uh, finals, which is on Sunday, um, 3 p.m. Eastern time, I believe. Um, but no, this is about just kind of some of the interesting political narratives um, surrounding some soccer games and teams and whatnot. So, so there was this like weird thing that happened during um, the USA women's soccer match versus Mexico the other night where it appeared that like, like ha- half of the team was like, you know, hand on their hearts facing our flag and singing the anthem and during our national anthem and the other like half the team was like faced the other way they were looking at like the screen or something like that hmm. and they As had one their, does yeah and they also had their hand over their hearts i don't know if they were singing or not but that you don't have to sing the national honestly, anthem it doesn't really matter but yeah, um, like you don't have to sing the national anthem as long as you have your hand over your heart you pretty much done all the things you need to anyway. yeah so so you know our class our friends at uh 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 Fox News and, and Breitbart, you know, start making these claims that like the USA women have um, disrespected the the flag and stuff. They're not even looking at it. And and like they are the only ones that actually thought that and made those claims. And then when U.S. soccer, the organization as a whole said um, no, um, then they run the story. They reject the claims made against them. And it's like. No, you tried to define that narrative. Like, you just had a bad fucking story. Yep. Like, fuck you, you know? <laughs> like, I, it's just so stupid. It's like the USA women's team is like, like, the best way to define their team is like, that's what dreams are made of right there. Like, they're so fucking good at what they do. And like, why are you trying to, why are you, why does the Republican media infrastructure in the party need to attack everything that's, that's, even remotely good <laughs> culturally in in this in this uh, country it's just so frustrating and out for for an example of this outside of the u.s um back in the kind of the group stage games of the of the uefa euro um you know there a lot of the teams had like would kneel for a couple seconds like right before like the ref would blow the whistle and you're supposed to kick it off they would kneel for like five or 10 seconds just to kind of signify like support for like human rights and, you know, everything that's been happening and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, my team as stated on previous podcast episodes is Germany and the German goalkeepers are captain, but his captain band, he has a customized uh, uh, pride flag uh, captain's band. And he's been really outspoken about uh, LGBTQ rights and whatnot in Germany and other places. And, um, there's a couple things to this. So UEFA as an organization, it's like the European soccer organization, I believe. Um, they don't allow political things ever, like statements or wearing something political or whatnot in their games, which... Whole another issue in and of itself. I know. I like get, but they have to do like a complete review over a pride flag captain's band to make sure it wasn't political or he could have been fined. Like, I think it was like 10 or 20,000 euros or more or something like that. And it's like, and before I get to like why this frustrates me, um, the other thing was, is, is 
um, the Hungarian, they were playing the Hungarian national team in, in Munich, Germany, and the mayor of Munich wanted to light up the stadium in pride flag colors hmm. in the flag. Um, just to like in solidarity really is what it was, especially because Victor Orban, which is the very cruel and anti LGBTQ, as we learned a few weeks ago, um, dictator of Hungary, uh, kind of, yeah, kind like of in solidarity F-D-G. with all the, all the people that are negatively impacted by that. And I mean, like, maybe first impressions say that's political, but I just don't know if standing up for human rights should be a political issue. And I just like, like maybe the stadium is more understandable to y'all than, than the captain's band, which they didn't end up banning the captain's band. So good for them. But um, I think that like my frustration is like, and this one is a different case from what the USA women have experienced over the past weekend or a week, I guess. But um I just don't know why standing up for human rights is such a, is such a bad thing to do. I don't know why we need to investigate it. Standing up for human rights shouldn't be a political thing, but for some reason, all the, all the authorities, all the people in power say it is. So that's how it is. And it just shouldn't be that way at all. And it's just really fucking frustrating to see that. So that's it. That's it. The Euro though has been very exciting. If you were wondering, like, it's like these teams were cooped up for a damn year, you know, and they're just kind of playing like they're having fun. And it's, it's a lot of fun to watch for us code section eight, respect for flag. No disrespect should be shown to the flag of the United States of America. The flag should not be dipped to any person or thing. Um, all of the stuff about the colors, the flag should never be displayed with the union down except as a signal of dire distress. The flag should never touch anything beneath such beneath it, such as the ground floor, water, so forth. The flag should never be carried flat or horizontally. It should always be aloof and free. The flag should never be used as wearing apparel, bedding, or drapery should never be fastened, displayed. It should never be used as a cover for a ceiling. Yeah, so to Breitbart and Fox News, fuck off until you guys stop doing that. Thanks. <laughs> That's not my tangent then. <laughs> <laughs> Take us on a tangent, Terrell. Um, so like you, I'm going to do two, and they're both sports related. Ooh, sports tangents. First off, fuck the Olympics. Um, <laughs> I... Yeah. <laughs> it is so clear that the Olympics has an issue with people of color, which it historically has. Let us not forget. Hasn't um, everything, honestly. Um, historically, the Olympics, very similar. We don't allow for political statements yet when an African-American man who is watching his country actively try to suppress um, his people from voting throws up a fist. He almost loses a medal, and that happened in the 1960s. Um, but the reason I'm frustrated with them today is it's just so overt right now. Overt. Um, you have like several stories already. You have swim caps being not allowed because they don't fit the natural mold of the human head when they're created for it. And as somebody who has very coily African-American hair, I get it. They are designed for African-American women to wear their natural hair comfortably while swimming and not have the condensed and pressed and headache ridden 
caps that they normally have to wear. You have multiple women on the African track team being disqualified because their testosterone levels are considered too high. Um, you have a member of the U.S. team being disqualified because she failed to show up to a drug test after getting an abortion and then having to tell them that she um, got an abortion and they banned her for five years. You have another member of the U.S. track team being told that she cannot run in the 100 and then today finding out that the U.S. team decided they didn't want to invite her to participate in the relay because she tested positive for marijuana, which is not in any way a drug enhancer. And it comes after her mother died um, as someone who lost someone very close to them and didn't have a healthy coping mechanism. I went to alcohol. Um, I get it. And for someone to pretend like they don't is just bullshit. Um and then you have the same issue um, with a shot put um, competitor who has actively said she will not face, stand, look at the flag during the national anthem. But the Olympics did screw her over by telling her, hey, we're going to do the podium piece first, or we're going to play the national anthem first and then have you on the podium but they changed it last minute, waited until she was on the podium. So now there's a picture of her not facing the flag. And she has become the and uh, the antichrist for the conservative party again <laughs> of she's disrespecting the flag. How dare she even compete? She shouldn't be on the podium, blah, 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 blah. On top of that, you also have women's gymnastics continuously um, just not allowing them to be their greatest. Yeah, uh, I can go on a rant about them for way longer than is necessary, but I, I just kind of come to this. Fuck the Olympics. What's the point? Uh, how, how do you see a year of such um, upheaval and injustice and actively choose to contribute to it? Ironic. As I talk about this, I change gears to the NBA and this whole Rachel Nichols story, if you've been tracking it at all with ESPN. Yeah, I have heard about this. Um, this is a repercussion of woke people. Again, Mikey canceled for saying this on the air. Don't <laughs> care. Um, I already tweeted it, so what difference does it make? She didn't say anything wrong. At no point in any of the conversation that she had did she actually say something that was inherently wrong what she did say was she has done her time with espn with the nba she has covered it felt as though she should have been the natural pick and yet they pull an african-american woman who mostly covers football and just started covering the nba and give her that spot without any consideration of rachel who honestly is a really good sportscaster and I'm annoyed because the media played it up as a race problem. Even in her quote, she says, I have no disregard for my fellow colleague. I'm just really peeved that ESPN is playing diversity as their calling card and not thinking about me. And for people specifically African-Americans to have jumped on this as fast as they did when we are people who are so used to not getting our fair share and being 
just shortchanged for no reason. I am pissed for Rachel specifically. I'm very upset for her because this shouldn't be a race issue. This shouldn't be another opportunity for uh, a big corporation to play their cards and have two camps that could have unified and said, no, you fucked over both of them. There should be accountability. Allow them to divide us and make it a separate argument. Allow for Rachel to now not even be able to serve on the sidelines, which she actively said she wouldn't do because she didn't feel she was being compensated enough. I don't have words. It's frustrating. It's annoying. And it's a further reminder of how well the big wigs, the old white men know how to play this game, right? Like had anyone taken the time to listen to her words and not jump to why does she deserve this? She's just mad because it's a black girl. We probably would have had a very different conversation, but now we have a woman who's in her contract negotiations, who's now going to be undervalued because of all of this and the controversy that started. And we have another female who has served the organization, has done a good job as a great reporter, who is now potentially going to get blackballed for nothing. So. Lovely. (laughs) Well, I think that's our show. (laughs) I'm Caleb. I'm Terrell. And we're dangerously likely to see you next week.